0: Good morning, everybody. Um, so we're, we're working our way through the book of Lamentations. And uh, today, we're going to be looking at God who's in control and taking our complaints to Him. So I want to start with a story that is told by Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson is a Christian author. Many of you are familiar with him. He has a, a version of the Bible called The Message, a paraphrase. He tells a story about a friend of his who is having some personal, some marital, and some vocational troubles. He doesn't know what to do, so he goes and sees a counselor. And the counselor recommends a really unique style of therapy called scream therapy. And so his friend would do what was called a scream weekend. Now that to me sounds like going and watching a bunch of scary movies. But that's not what this is instead what it is is he would go to New York City and he would go to a specific building and in these buildings they had multiple rooms all soundproofed and the person would go into the room and for a total of two full days just scream and scream and rage as loud as they could until their voice was gone letting out all the pain and anger and resentment literally pouring it out They would, of course, be brought food and things like that, but there would be no one else around, and they would just rage at the universe. And the man described it this way. He said, it's like being in a thunder and lightning storm, and then all of a sudden, after all the noise and all the flashing, it parts, and the sun breaks out, and birds begin chirping. That's what he described what it was like after this weekend. And he would say, I feel great. I let it all out. And Eugene Peterson said, you may feel really good, but I don't think you've been healed. There's nothing that's happened from you that, is, that has brought any sort of healing. And actually, Eugene Peterson was right because uh, a few weeks later, his friend would do it again. And then he'd have to start doing it every weekend. And eventually he just stopped going because he said the, the, the clouds parting and feeling all of the, the freedom would only last a day or two. And he said it wasn't worth it. It came rushing right back. So Eugene Peterson said to him in a letter, Why don't you try this instead? Lock yourself up in a room with the book of Lamentations and Isaiah 53 and scream out to God. It would be way more healthy. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at how we cry out to God and what that looks like. Because Lamentations is a cry, it is a scream to the God of the universe, letting our pain and frustration out. Remember, Two weeks ago, I said, and I know Travis kind of referenced it last week, the, the word lamentation, which is where the book gets its name from, comes from the Hebrew word for ah. That's what that word means. It's a, it's a guttural, ah, I don't like this. If you were looking at a comic book, it would be the, the letters outside of the thought bubble in really big font with exclamation points and, you know, an emphasis on it, right? This is that big ah, I don't like this. But instead of doing what the scream weekend did, which was just scream at nothing, instead we're to take our screams to the Lord. So we're going to look at that today. So here's our big idea. God who brings everything about wants us to take our complaints to him. God who brings everything about wants us to take our complaints to him. Now, there's a lot in this. I tried to make it as as succinct as possible. It's not a great sentence, but we're going to go with it because it's what we're going to be talking about. Because really, there's four questions that come out of this statement. The first one is, what does it mean that God brings everything about? What does that mean? What does that look like? Second of all, is it okay for us to complain to God? I mean, that word complaint is very negative in our minds. Secondly, or thirdly, if we can complain, how do we complain? And then third, how does all this relate to Jesus? How does Jesus tie into all of this? So first thing we're going to look at is God brings it about. So this is our first thing we're going to look at. God brings it about. And we're going to see in the passage that Mike just read a moment ago that it is God who did this. So look at it again with me. Lamentations 2, 1 through 5. How the Lord in his anger has set the daughter of Zion under a cloud. He has cast down from heaven to earth the splendor of Israel. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of anger. The Lord has swallowed up without mercy all the habitations of Jacob. In his wrath, he's broken down the strongholds of the daughter of Judah. He has brought down to the ground in dishonor the king and its rulers. He has cut down in fierce anger all the might of Israel. He has withdrawn from them his right hand in the face of the enemy. He has burned like a flaming fire in Jacob, consuming all around He has bent his bow like an enemy, with his right hand set like a foe. He has killed all who were delightful in our eyes in the tent of the daughter of Zion. He's poured out his fury like fire. The Lord has become like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all its palaces. He has lain in ruins its strongholds. He has multiplied in the daughter of Judah, mourning and lamentations. Now, we know from our, our study of this so far that this is Jerusalem's destruction that he's talking about. And we know that the Babylonians are the ones that did it. But look at what it says here. There are, in these five verses, there are 17 complaints to God saying either he did this or he didn't do this. In the next chapter that Scott will be teaching on next week, chapter 3, in the first 16 verses, there are 12 complaints. This is what this book has. They're complaints to God. God, you did this. How dare you? See, Jeremiah's on to something. When we are grieving, many times, we, that leads to complaint. Think about Mary and Martha when Lazarus had died. What was the first thing they said? Oh, Jesus, good to see you. No, they went, "Where were you? Why weren't you here?" Mary even goes, "Father, do, father, don't you love Lazarus? Why didn't you come?" Asking and questioning and lamenting toward God. This is the, the, the complaining that we see. So the context, again, remember, Israel and Judah, Israel's the northern kingdom, had split off. There were 12, 10 tribes up there, and the two tribes in the south, known as Judah, Israel had been conquered. Judah was getting ready to get conquered because what had happened was they were worshiping every other God besides the God of the Bible. Maybe they added a little God in on the side. So Lamentations was the grieving for the fall of Jerusalem. It's five poems. Each poem has a specific theme. It's an acrostic. It runs through the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, and it pours out all of this pain and anguish for this funeral service for the city of Jerusalem. So we get that, right? We get lamentation. So even back as far as Moses, Moses says, if you follow God, he's going to bless you. If you don't, there's gonna be repercussions. If you read the book of Jeremiah, some men that I'm I'm meeting with on on Saturdays, we do a Bible study and we're reading through and a couple of them went back and read the the book of Jeremiah and they noticed, Jeremiah's laying it out. This is coming. But the the people were like, that's not gonna happen to us. Let's go worship Baal. Let's go worship Molech. And then eventually it does happen. So we get that, right? We get when God says, don't do this, that there's gonna be repercussions. What we have a hard time with is the opposite extreme. When it happened to Job, we talked about Job last spring. the idea that Job was a righteous man. He didn't sin, but bad things happened to him. So there's this spectrum that we see between those who deserve what they get and those who don't deserve what they get. And to be honest with ourselves, We are somewhere on that spectrum. But what's important that we get from this is not where we are on the spectrum, but understanding that things don't randomly happen. There is nothing outside of the control of the God of the universe. I gotta tell you, you know, there's been lots of things that I've been mourning for the last year or so. Ever since March, I know that I'm not alone in mourning that we have to wear these doohickeys, we have to wear masks. And we have to socially distance. We miss hugs. We miss events. I mean, there, there have been, I know at the Westland campus, I have three friends over there that have all gotten married. How many of the weddings did I go to? Eh. <clears throat> right? We, we grieve over that. And it's really easy for us to go, that doggone governor, that stupid CDC, gosh, the WHO is ridiculous. The president, the Congress, they're all junk. Can't believe they did this. I'm going to tell you, we're aiming too low with our blame. They may be in charge of, they they think they're in a lot more charge of everything in our lives, but in actuality, there is one over them who is in charge of it all. And that's the one we're to take it to. So when we think about it and we complain and we rage against the rules and the guidelines we have here right now, we're doing what the Scream Weekend did. We're raging against nothing. Now, granted, we may be raging in a room with the picture of our governor there, but that's as good as it's going to do. It's not going to do any good. But when we take it to God and we scream out and we tell him what we're feeling, there's, there's hope, there's, there's, there's movement, there's encouragement. So remember in those 17 things in verses 1 through 5, I told you guys the Babylonians were doing this. How many times does Jeremiah say the Babylonians? Look how jerky they are. They're terrible. He doesn't even mention them. Why? Because ultimately the Babylonians are only allowed to do what the Babylonians are allowed to do because God, because God is behind it all. And this is the inescapable point of the book of Lamentations. It's so inescapable that all three sermons you're going to hear, starting with Travis's last week and Scott's next week, is going to bring this out that God is in control, God is in charge he is the one behind everything and when we get this we can understand how Job can say the Lord gives and the Lord takes away blessed be the name of the Lord that's impossible to pray if you think the Lord is not in control so now this first point this understanding that God is behind everything does not make it any easier this is not a simple, oh, God's behind it, just move on, pat you on the back. It, this doesn't soften the pain, but it gives us a direction to take it. It gives us a direction to go with it. See, we're gonna have pain and we're gonna have suffering, we're gonna have loss, we're gonna have grief. Screaming out in a scream room or screaming out to the governor's picture or screaming out to the universe is gonna do no good. But screaming out to the one who, who is in charge of it who caused it, that's where we see the thing we need. So I've laid this out pretty quickly. Now, what about complaint? That, that's what, I, that's what my, my, my task today is, is to teach us how to complain to God. But that word complaint, is that really the one? I mean, we get prayer, we get lament, we get meditating on God's word, we get all of that. Even we get counseling, we understand all of that. But really complain to God I was thinking about it, you know, we use the word complaining a lot, but usually it's only followed, it's usually following the word stop. We don't usually use the word complaining, oh, he's really good at complaining, oh, good job complaining, it's usually what? Stop complaining. I mean, that's what a parent has to say pretty much nonstop, isn't it, right? <laughs> so what is the, what, what am I talking about when it's complaining? Well, let's, let's start with a question for you. When was the last time you complained? Who did you complain to and what did you complain about? We all have things that came to mind. But ask yourself, when was the last time you complained to God and what was that about? You see, we have this view of complaining that is, is kind of, it's, it's really wrong focused. And I, I heard an analogy, an illustration, Pastor Travis gave it to me. So if it doesn't work, you can blame him. Um, this illustration is, imagine you go to a restaurant, and it really stinks that we have to imagine it, we can't do it, but we're imagining going to a restaurant, and you're like, I'm celebrating, we're going you know, to have appetizers, we're going to have, we're gonna have our, our main dish, we're going to have first dessert, we're going to have second dessert, followed by third, right? And we're going to have this big feast, and we're all sitting at our tables, and they start bringing stuff out, and it's not quite right. And instead of going to the manager or the the waiter, we turn to the people in the table next to us and we go, can you believe this? This is terrible. Look at this. This is awful. I ordered artichoke dip. I got spinach dip. It's terrible. And then the waiter comes up and we, oh yeah, here you go. Thanks. I'd like some of this. Yeah. Okay. And then, oh, look at, they brought the wrong thing. And we complain and we complain to the people next to us. And we would say, "Are, are, are you, what's wrong with you? Talk to the manager. Talk to the, to the waiter, leave a bad review on Yelp, do something that will actually communicate to the people in charge, as opposed to just misery loves company with the people next to you. See, we've got this problem, and the problem is we don't do complaining right. So there's two kinds of complaining. We've got our horizontal complaining, and this is where we tell all of our problems to the people around us, but that doesn't really solve anything, does it? It's just that misery loves company. Instead, we are to take our complaints vertically to God. But the problem is, is that we don't really do that very well. Well, the good news is, I'm done talking about the horizontal complaining. That's not what this passage is about. The Bible calls that grumbling, and it's many times, if not most of the time, a sin. That's a different sermon for a different time. So you guys can relax on that. We're going to go to the horizontal complaining. We got some work to do still, though. So why is it that we don't complain vertically to God? And I would say, I don't know why you don't. I know why I don't. And so I'm gonna share with you some of the reasons that I've thought that in the past. And maybe you resonate and maybe there's something else that the spirit will bring to you. But I'm scared that I'm gonna bother the Lord. You know, hey Lord, oh, you know, this really stinks today. And God's like, you know, I was over there working on stopping a tsunami and I guess I'll take care of little John over here. Okay, I mean, that's kind of the way I viewed it. Other times, I was worried about I'd get it wrong. Like, maybe complaining's not okay to do to God, and and I'm sinning. Or maybe, and this one's even worse, is I'm going to bother God with it, and he's going to go, oh, you thought that was bad? Take this. Like some vindictive Greek mythical God. I've offended him, and so he's going to give me more. Or maybe he doesn't control the things that are small in my life that I'm complaining about. Maybe I just don't think to complain to him. So I don't know why it is we don't go vertical. I don't know why you don't go go vertical, but we are to go vertical. Now, don't take my word for this. Let's find it in the scripture. So complaining is okay according to the Bible is our next point. Complaining is okay according to the Bible. There is a right way and a wrong way to do it, but we are allowed to complain to God. Let me show you. Here are some, the, the one, there's many in the book of Lamentations. These are the, the five that I've chosen. First one is verse nine of chapter one. This is Jeremiah saying, um, look, Lord, on my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. He's saying, look at how bad this is, Lord. This is not the way it should be. Then in verse 11, Lord, look and consider for I am despised. Lord, your people are despised. Verse 20, see, Lord, how distressed I am. I am in torment within, and in my heart I am disturbed, for I have been most rebellious. Outside the sword bereaves, inside there's only death. Chapter 2, verse 20, look, Lord, and consider, whom have you ever treated like this? And that's some quality complaining right there. You've never done this to anybody else, only to me. And then in verse five, chapter 5, verse 1, Remember, Lord, what has happened to us. Look and see how our disgrace. See, Jeremiah is, is arguing a point in lamentations. He's saying if the God of the universe is big enough to have caused this, he is big enough to fix it, but he's definitely big enough to hear our complaint and respond to us kindly. And so we, we see these complaining throughout the Bible. We see it in many different places. And, and honestly, again, back to that Lamentations versus Job spectrum, we see that Job is complaining about what he doesn't understand. Job's going, I don't get it, Lord. I didn't do anything. And yet bad stuff happens to me. And then over here, you've got Jeremiah. And Jeremiah's going, yeah, we got what we deserved. And then he complains about it. So what we see on these two extremes is that Lamentations and Job give us permission to complain about our circumstances when we don't understand and when we do understand. So that encompasses everything. So if we're allowed, according to God's word, to complain, then how are we to do that? Because when we do it horizontally, it's kind of a hodgepodge. And many times, like it says in the Bible, it's a sin. But how do we do that vertically to God. So how do we do complaint done right? Well, first of all, complaint done right is a sign of belief in God. If you didn't believe in God, you wouldn't complain to him, right? The atheist is gonna go lock themselves in a room and scream to the nothing because that's what they believe in. We believe in God, so we take it to God. So the first thing we need to recognize is that our complaint is to God. Our complaint shows that we have faith. It's a part of our belief system. And there's no better place than to pour this out to God. Don't hold back. As a matter of fact, remember, a third of the Psalms are laments, and you will find in every single one a complaint to God, not to random people, but to God. So now, Jeremiah gives us a real quick, succinct picture of a good complaint. And so we're going to see this in Jeremiah 12, verse 1. If you want to turn back in your Bibles or you can look on the screen. This is what Jeremiah says. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you. Yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? So the first thing we see is that Jeremiah takes it to the Lord. He doesn't take it to the person that's hurt him. He doesn't take it to the countries that are conquering, trying to conquer him. He takes it to the Lord. He doesn't take it to his best buddy. It's to the Lord. Lord, I have a problem. Second thing we see is it, we, he affirms God's righteousness, his justice, his goodness. He says, righteous are you. So he recognizes, God, you are in the right. It's probably me that's got the problem here. I'm not getting something. I trust you. And then third, we see he expresses, I mean, this is, this is God's prophet. You would expect that he would be closer to the Lord and not have these kind of questions, but he does. This is what I love about the Bible. It doesn't hold anything back. The Apostle Paul deals with the same stuff we do. And if he can write, you know, 13 books in the New Testament, then there's hope for us. Amen? Same thing for Jeremiah. If Jeremiah can be perplexed and go, I don't understand. And this is a guy that's been talking to the Lord. I don't understand. Then there's hope for us. God welcomes our lament. We have a tendency to stuff it down inside and and actually suffocate from the inside out because we don't let ourselves lament or we walk away from God pretending that he doesn't care. Lamenting keeps us engaged with him. It allows us to have a communication with him. And it's precisely out of this trust that over and over again, the psalmist goes back to God. God, you did this, God help me understand. You know, many times when I have a bad attitude, I just try to, you know, I'm just gonna have a positive, think positively, power of positive thinking, right? I'm just gonna, oh, I'm gonna effort it out. And in fact, it probably many times makes it worse. See, the Bible does not say we have to pretend that everything's okay. It also says we're not allowed to be Eeyore and wallow in it. We are to instead, whatever we're feeling, take it to the Lord. Because the God of truth is a God of truth. He wants the true thoughts of your mind. He wants you to share it with him. And there are biblical examples of this. I mean, Habakkuk mourns and says, how long will I have to cry? How long will there be violence on me? David laments in Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? There's there's complaint and lament side by side, taking it to the Lord. Now, if you're an astute Bible scholar, which many of you are, you would know, wait a second, I seem to remember the Israelites complaining, and that didn't go so well with them, i.e. they ended up wandering in the wilderness and all dying, so, and their kids took over the the promised land. So, wait a sec, you're saying complaint? I don't think that sounds right. Remember, though, the definition of complaining that we're running with is the vertical, not the horizontal. Who did the Israelites grumble to? each other. They occasionally went to Moses, but most of the time it was to each other. And so we need to understand that that is not the biblical picture. Horizontal is not what we're talking about. We're talking 100% vertical. Tell him what you're feeling. Tell him your disappointments. Tell him he wants to know. So I wanna give you four steps on how we can complain rightly to God. This will help you hopefully guide how you complain to him I know it has helped me. The first one, we need to come humble. Come humble. And literally what that means is there's two things we should avoid like the plague. We should absolutely push out of our lives and take it to the Lord and confess and ask him to heal. We don't want pride and we don't want the anger that comes from pride. We don't want those when we're complaining. Now, if we have those, our God is faithful and just to forgive us when we confess them. So this is not like, oh, I have pride, I can't complain to God. No, confess the pride and complain to God. But just understand that pride kills this, because pride says, I know best. Lord, you messed up, I I should be in charge of this. When we have pride, even a touch of it, this leads to anger, because you go, God, I'm mad at you because you didn't do it my way, or you didn't match up with my plans, or you didn't match up with fill in the blank, but it's all I, I, I. And then this anger, you know, there's going to be times we're going to get angry when things don't go the way we want. But if that anger is directed at the things that God has caused, it's directed at him. A few weeks ago, 11 weeks ago, a guy that I, I, I read a lot of, his name is Tim Challies. He's an online blogger. His son was down at seminary in Kentucky and was playing a card game with his sister and a few friends and his fiance, and he fell over dead, just like that. 23-year-old, or 22, fell over dead. And Tim Challies was getting hundreds and hundreds of people calling him and messaging him, and, and one of his close friends said, you need to be angry with God. Go be angry with God. It's okay, he can handle it. He wants you to be angry at him. And Tim said, I just don't feel that's right. I don't feel like I can be angry with God, because if I'm angry with God's actions, then I'm angry with God, and why would I be angry at God's actions and at God? It's because he did something wrong, but the God of the Bible doesn't do anything wrong, so I can't do that, and he writes these words. He says, in that moment, I had to choose whether I could continue to proclaim in the dark what I had celebrated in the light, or whether instead I would allow my circumstances to overturn my beliefs. I had to choose whether these doctrines would draw me to God in comfort or alienate me in anger if you're angry at someone's actions god's actions you're angry at who god is and again god doesn't make mistakes and so this anger is not the the correct response it is a response we have but when this this response happens we're to take it to the lord so don't hear me saying that we need to push this down and hide it instead it's to confess it to the lord We're not to be hypocrites and put up the fake facade of, oh, everything's okay, I'm not, oh, I'm angry at God, but I'm just gonna pretend I'm not. No, take it to him. And that ties into our second point, which is be honest with God. Be honest with him, what you're feeling. If you're feeling anger, confess it to him. That's the first step to repentance. You can't confess and repent from something if you don't name it. If you're angry with God at what he's done, say, God, I'm angry with you and I'm not supposed to be. Help me not to be angry, forgive me. I repent of this anger. So be honest with him. And if you don't believe that's in the Bible, being honest with what God to God what you're feeling, then you don't know your Bible because Jesus was honest with God. Think about him in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Lord, if possible, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to go die on the cross. But not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus paints us a perfect picture of you know what? I, have, I, I need to be honest with God. I should tell him what I'm thinking. And besides the fact, he already knows, right? You know, when I'm outside with my kids and we're, they're playing on a play structure, and I've seen it with all three of them, something happens and they fall and then they're crying and they, they cry for me to come help. And I, as a parent, I do a, a mental assessment, a triage. Okay, is it hospital? No. Is it, is it, is it bandage? No. Is it band-aid? Well, it's always band-aid, right? Um, is it, what it, it's, it's nothing. It's just, oh, you're gonna be okay. Come over here, I'll hold you. I'll give you a kiss, and you'll be fine, right? Now, I, I look at them, and I go, they don't need any help from me, but I love that they cry for me. I love that I am the one that they say, Daddy, come. Daddy, come help. And I mean, I'm just a finite being. Imagine what an infinite God can do when we say, God, help I need your help. This doesn't make sense. I mean, how many times as parents have you counseled your kids, there is no monster in the closet. That sound was not something scary. It's the tree and it's windy or the rain. Just think about what we would get from a heavenly infinite father if we would just take it to him and be honest. God wants our big pains and our small pains. He wants to hear it honestly from us. See, he's compassionate. We need to not forget, as we look at laments and we look at all of this complaining, we need to not forget who God is. In Psalm 10, 17, we see that he promises to, be, to strengthen the afflicted. Oh Lord, you hear the desires of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear, meaning he will hear. Not only that, but he wants to comfort those who are downcast. Downcast is like the perfect name for the year 2020. We were downcast. we Nothing went the way we wanted. And even now, maybe it's not going the way we are. But look at, it says in 2 Corinthians, God who comforts the downcast. That's not, he also does this. That's who he is. It's his nature. So when you draw near to God in brokenness, he says, I'm here. I love you. I've got you. So when we do have that anger or that pride well up, we confess it to God and he forgives us. Because remember, thanks to Jesus on the cross, God's looking at us is all default mercy. It's mercy, mercy, mercy when we go and we confess our sins. Tell it to him, he wants us to draw near to him. So as we are being humble and we're being honest, sometimes we don't know what to say. How do I talk to God this way? Well, the good news is, is we have the Bible to tell us. So the third step is pray the Bible to God. Pray it back to him. It's his word. Every word is from him. Biblical lament and biblical promises give us things to pray back. Now, if you're in a season of hurting, it's hard to pray some of those promises. So pray the laments. Take the grieving, take the complaining back to him because Isn't that what Jesus did? Isn't that what Jesus did? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting scripture that David had said in Psalm 22 back to God, saying, God, this is is not the way it should be. Why? Because remember, this is all inspired by God, which means it's okay to pray these things to God. It's okay to take these to God. Say, God, how long? Or like Psalm 10.1 says, why do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself? Lord, why are you not close to me? What did I do? What did you do? What is the problem? Pray that to God. Or Psalm 35.17, how long, O oh Lord? How much longer is this garbage gonna go on? How much longer is this pain? And take it to him. Because see, when you do that, you are drawing nearer to him who is the solution to your problem. And then last, don't stop in your complaining. Don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck in that complaining where that's just what you're going to do. Lament does not give us the right to wallow, does not give us a right to sit. You're not to stay in your complaints. Our complaints are a means to an end. Just like the scalpels, the, the scalpel used by the surgeon, the first inc- incision, is not the saw. It's like, you know, okay, you got to, you know, you need it. We need it, We need a you know, heart transplant. Okay, take a cut, make the cut. Oh, we're done. That would be ridiculous. It's the same thing with, with complaining. Complaining is the means to the end of getting right with your Lord. It's not a place we are to stay. Lament loses its power if all we do is complain. So, Do not complain just to complain. Instead, complain to the Lord, and he promises to move closer to you. Now, how does this all tie back to Jesus? Well, I discovered that there's actually a promise in the Bible directly to us based on the fact that Jesus has experienced all the same things that we have. But before we get into that, I wanna show you another thing. When we complain, when we groan, when we cry out, We have good company because all of creation is groaning and crying out. All of creation is complaining. It's going, ugh. Look at what Romans 8 says. For the the creation waits for the eager longing of the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation was groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Ah, <sighs> That's what creation is saying. So we've got good company here. But we're not just to be like, okay, well, creation's groaning and complaining, so we're in good company. We are to take them to the Lord. Look at what First Peter says. 5, 6, and 7 says. It tells us to take our worries and our anxieties and our cares to him. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. He wants us to take our complaints to him. But it gets better than that. Not only do, do, are we to call out and complain to God and tell him our anxieties, but we have someone special. We have a high priest who died in our place. And look at what Hebrews 4.15 says. It says, we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. So we have this high priest who's felt all of the anguish and all of the, the things that we've felt, the disappointment, all of it, and that high priest is for us. But look at this, where is that high priest right now? We'll go back a verse to verse 14 of Hebrews 4. Since then we have a great high peace, priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Passed through the heavens does not mean he's like a, star, a shooting star, It means he went through all the heavens and is now with God. The NIV says he ascended into heaven. That means that Jesus, the one who's experienced what you've experienced, is right there in heaven with God. Now, he's not off doing something over here, right? He's not twiddling his thumbs. Look at where Jesus, the Bible says Jesus is. Mark 16, the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Luke 22:69 For now the son of man is seated at the right hand of God the hand of power. This is repeated several other times in the gospels. They repeat it because this is meant to encourage us. Not only is it repeated there, but in Acts we see Acts 7:55. Stephen looks up into heaven and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Standing cuz he's about to move. He's about to welcome Stephen in or send power or do something. He's moving. And then 1 Peter 3, 21 and 22. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone on to heaven, is at the right hand of God, with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to him. The right hand of God is the hand of action. It's where God does what God is going to do. So we have, not only are we to complain to God, not only are we to tell him what we're feeling, but we have one who has felt what we have felt. And is now sitting next to God in power on our behalf. Watch this 1 Timothy 2 5. And you guys have heard these passages. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. Mediator means to be a go between, it means he is talking, he is communicating to God on our behalf. Hebrews 7 is even more, more clear he is able to save to the utmost those who draw near to God. That's Jesus who can save through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. That intercession means to go to God. So not only when we complain to God do our complaints rise up as prayers, but we have Jesus who is right there, the most loved being in the universe, talking to God on our behalf. If that's not encouraging to you, as you are in what you're in right now, I don't know what would be. He's sitting there, he has God's 100% attention, he is telling him what we're experiencing. So look at that entire section of Hebrews. Since we have a great high priest who is in heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one whom in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin, And then 16 is the cherry on top. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Okay, that's that, go to God with what we have. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What a sweet, sweet promise we have. He will give us mercy and grace in our time of need. Why? Because Jesus is right there talking to God, pleading to God on our behalf. Jesus' death on the cross bought the right to make everything right, and lament prayers celebrate this as we long for the day when Jesus comes and makes everything right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, that we know you hear our prayers. Even more than that, we know that your son is right there on your right hand interceding for us. So Lord, I pray that you would would honor our prayers and our complaints and our desires for more of you, that you would answer those with yes, and that you would give us more of you. And I just praise you for this incredible promise, this incredible gift that you will give it to us when we need it. Lord, help us to complain well to you and help us to draw near to you in our times of pain and sorrow and disappointment. You are a good God. Thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen.